0: thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Catt Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases, Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading.
1: In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure, helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly and access actionable data that drives student success.
0: On the 24th to the 26th of January, 2024, Bet UK is back, and even better for educators new for 2024 table talks empowers educators to collaborate openly and connect deeply with like-minded individuals in the education space as well as tech user labs the brilliant new tutorials and working groups at bet where technology users will learn how to get more out of their institutions tech from the top education technology experts in the world whatever your goal you'll find it at bet 2024 educators go free get your tickets today at www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor registration
2: this is teachers talk radio and you are listening live
3: hello and welcome to the late late show my name is katherine taylor Tonight, my very special guest is Jane Green, MBE. I'll be chatting to Jane about her personal story of the challenges of navigating the education system in the context of neurodivergence and the challenges and opportunities that she's experienced.
2: This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.
3: Hello and welcome to the Late Late Show everyone. I'm Catherine and I'm speaking to you live from Buckinghamshire in the UK. Um, I'm Waiting just to speak to Jane Green this evening, which is going to be a fantastic treat. She's just had her investiture uh, as an MBE uh, for her services to neurodivergent people and those with related hypermobility conditions, including Ella's Dalnon. Danlos Syndrome, so uh, apologies for my bad pronunciation there. I'm sure that Jane will be able to uh, educate us all about uh, what that entails tonight. We'll be discussing her experiences as a neurodivergent person in education, and we will be um, having having a chat about the opportunities and challenges that she has associated with this. Now, remember, if you are listening in live and would like to join us either um, to post a question in the chat for Jane to answer, or if you want to call in and speak to us, then please do download the Podbean app and visit um, teacher, uh, ttrradio.org and click on the Listen Live on the home page. This should take you directly to the show. There you can post comments and ask questions during our conversation. And once I've spoken to Jane, I'll open up to any of you who'd like to call in. Um, you can call in by pressing the icon at the top of the screen on your phone's app, and click this, and I'll be able to connect you through. Um, so, I'm hoping that Jane's going to be joining us very, very shortly. Um, but while we just wait for Jane to come through, um, I'm really interested in reading about her work, which I've um, just been reading a bit about today. And I think it's very um, common, perhaps, for teachers these days to be quite familiar with um, issues surrounding neuro neurodivergent people because that's something that we all as teachers do have to um, receive training on, quite rightly, and to um, make suitable adaptations in our practice. So that's something that's uh, very commonly known, but I think what what I've learned from looking into Jane's work is, is the fact that actually there's a correlation between the neurodivergent conditions such as ADHD and ASD and and things like that but also the hypermobility and uh, what I found particularly fascinating is the idea that um, there's a lot of challenges for young people and children who are experiencing pain because of their hypermobility and this actually compounds some of the challenges that they face. And uh, so I found that really really interesting and uh, what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to take us over to the, the news and our messages and then we'll get Jane on and we'll be able to hear more about her perspective and her um, experiences with that. Do stay tuned.
0: This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading.
1: In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success.
0: On the 24th to the 26th of January, 2024, Bet UK is back, and even better for educators new for 2024 table talks empowers educators to collaborate openly and connect deeply with like-minded individuals in the education space as well as tech user labs the brilliant new tutorials and working groups at bed where technology users will learn how to get more out of their institutions tech from the top education technology experts in the world whatever your goal You'll find it at BET 2024. Educators go free. Get your tickets today at www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration.
2: This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
4: School summer holidays are often a hot topic, but they made the news again in The Guardian as leaders in Wales appear to be considering changes. According to reports, Wales's Minority Labour Administration wants to shrink summer breaks from six weeks to five and eventually reduce it to four weeks. The plan would see the time added to half-term breaks in October and May. The proposal would equalise the length of terms and break the connection with Easter by fixing the timing of the spring break, regardless of when the religious festival falls. The newspaper says the plans follow research by the government, which suggests that parents struggle to organise and pay for childcare over the summer. Plaid Cymru, which supports the proposal, said in a statement that the current calendar was outdated, as it was designed a long time ago, and that some families find the summer break very long and, impacting negatively on their well-being. However, the article also points out that evidence of the harm to learning from school holidays is unclear, as much of the evidence comes from the United States, where summer holidays can be up to 12 weeks long, rather than the six to seven weeks in the UK. John Hattie, Professor of Education at the University of Melbourne, said the effects from school holidays are very small and there is little reason to believe that the length of the school year has much effect at all. A study from 2019 that looked at pupils from primary schools in an area of high deprivation in Scotland and England found no effect on reading skills. In Northern Ireland, schools typically have eight weeks off in the summer, but generally have results in exams that are better than those in England or Wales. However, a 2022 study did find evidence of worsening mental health in some age groups over long summer breaks. Surveys done in Wales found 60% of parents said they were quite happy with the school year as it is. In 2013, then Education Secretary Michael Gove gave schools in England the power to choose the timing of holidays, but most schools kept the six weeks. The BBC News website reports on the Beyond Ofsted inquiry. The inquiry is chaired by former Schools Minister Lord Knight and is funded by the National Education Union. The report from the inquiry recommends that schools should instead be responsible for their own improvement plans. Ofsted has responded by repeating its previous statement that inspections are needed to ensure a high quality education. The inquiry said that Ofsted was now seen by many as toxic and not fit for purpose and in need of major reform. The removal of single word judgments was also recommended and this echoed another report on school improvement released earlier by the Institute for Public Policy Research which also called for narrative style judgments rather than single words. The Beyond Ofsted inquiry recommended stopping Ofsted from having direct contact with schools and instead schools should draw up their own improvement plans which would make them accountable to parents and the wider local community. Lord Knight, speaking to the BBC, said Ofsted created a culture of fear in our schools. His report also said that Ofsted had become under-resourced for the high-stakes job expected of it. A spokesperson for Ofsted said 9 out of 10 schools say inspections helped them to improve. In related news, the current Chief Inspector of Schools, Amanda Spielman, has written in her final annual report about parents being increasingly willing to challenge school rules in England. She described the unwritten contract between home and school as fractured and that it will take time to repair. The report is broadly positive, but draws attention to a shift in behaviour, attendance and attitudes to education since the pandemic, describing it as leaving a troublesome legacy. Full details of her comments can be found across media outlets. Teach First has celebrated its 20th anniversary with three former Prime Ministers praising the charity's work in tackling education inequalities. According to Teach First's own website newsfeed, the charity has recruited more than 16,000 teachers to work in disadvantaged areas across England. Teach First CEO Russell Horby reaffirmed the charity's mission to help Britain's most disadvantaged children to achieve their full potential. Finally, student immigration data has been released with Home Secretary James Cleverly stating the biggest drivers of immigration to the UK are students and healthcare workers. He further commented that this was testament to our world leading university sector. According to data, Indian nationals account for over one-quarter of all sponsored study grants, followed by Chinese nationals. The education sector relies heavily on students applying to UK universities for significant funding, but there is also political pressure to reduce net immigration. Any plans to make changes to the current system will be monitored carefully, although for now the focus remains on illegal migration rather than legal routes. This has been your teacher's talk radio news with Joe Fox. But
5: it's so fantastic to have you on, Jane. How are you? Apart from I'm fine. Stressed. I'm fine. No, no. Do you know? After all these years of doing presentations, I'm so used to tech going wrong. It, it would be strange <laughs> if it didn't. So yeah, okay. It's all well, fun.
3: I'm. I'm absolutely delighted to have you with us on Teachers Talk Radio this evening, Jane. Um, I wonder if you could just set the scene for listeners, actually, and let us know a bit about your context and how you have become involved in the work that you do. Um, I know you yourself, um, you, you are autistic. Is that, am I correct in saying that?
5: Yes, I'm neurodivergent, I'm autistic, I have ADHD, very late diagnoses, um mm-hmm. and and probably quite a lot more. Uh but um at my age, I'm 61, I think um I have adapted over the years and I've got lots of uh sort of strategies that I've used. And um so uh I I, I sort of knew I was um but being quite literal i also wanted to have the diagnosis officially Mm -hmm. for myself because i think that's important um but everybody's different and i'm probably uh, have a few more differences as well i know i'm dyscalculic which is Mm a numbers issue um uh, someone thinks i'm dyspraxic and dyscalculic so we'll see um but i i i'm not trying to get a list uh but I think it's quite common and I think all these co-occur and that's what is so interesting plus some health challenges which hopefully I'm going to talk about now Um, yes
3: yeah please do And, and I just wanted to say I was reading your your paper the um the article that came out um just earlier this year which is absolutely fascinating because I've got uh, nieces and nephews who are neurodivergent, and certainly uh, other family members who've had an, another family member who is my age. Well, she's um, not not quite as old as me, but she's an, in her adulthood, uh, in her forties. She has um, ADHD. She uh, was a gymnast as a child, and she uh-huh. and you just you. I read your paper and I thought. That makes
5: yeah. so much sense. You <laughs> it know. does, doesn't it? It's like a light bulb <laughs> clicking on and, and and it's like, how did we not know this or connect the dots before? Mm. Uh, we still have a lot of barriers. I think um, the paper came out earlier this year. It's a topical review in a published journal and it's the first. I've always been really, really passionate about this. So you asked me how it came about. Mm. Um, I left school at 16 yeah with just two qualifications so considered him uh that's my story and and a hypochondriac because i didn't know that pain the pain i had wasn't normal i mean how do you know if you're always growing up with it and everyone says oh that's meant to be painful or um oh everyone gets headaches now and then and you think okay this blinding headache that i can't talk or move um isn't is normal and i'm just making a big fuss about it or or the bloating and so on mm-hmm. and um and and so that carried on for a long time and i i won't go into all my story unless you want it right now but i became an educationalist because i had children and we kept being excluded, even as <laughs> um in nursery school, which was you know the refrigerator mother syndrome thingy, and um so it just sort of exacerbated the whole you know you're not good enough and you don't have skills and you can't be a good mother, and you've caused this to your children, and now your children have got it, and so on um mm-hmm. but I knew I was different, and therefore I wanted to be an educational psychologist. And I had to have a degree, but I I literally could not write um, my name really, and uh, it was really hard, but I studied psychology and I I, I realised I, I certainly was different, and um, but there wasn't a name for it. Women were not allowed to be autistic at that mm. point. Uh, I didn't know about the ADHD. And I won awards and I became a teacher and, and did more degrees and then became the lead and advisory teacher for the local authority, um, worked in all areas and phases of education. And, and for the National Autistic Society and other ones. But I think um what came to me with every single uh, school I went to I saw a pattern of of similar things with these children and students. They were floppy, they had to move a lot, they 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 needed to move around, um, but they also had difficulty writing uh you know handwriting um and and we would always separate the autistic children had to have schedules adhd children had to have the thoroughbans to move and bounce against mm-hmm. and strict rules and the dyspractic children had the supports and i just thought hang on why have they got so many allergies because i i saw that from my children extreme uh anaphylactic uh, food mm-hmm. direct food allergies of mine but um also the eczema the the eye issues the teeth issues the skin issues the rashes the the lactose intolerance Mm. um and 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 then bearing in mind my issues but there was no name for it then there was absolutely no name and so i didn't know what i was looking at but i knew it was something that's all i can explain and of course i had no support myself as a teacher and so i kept sort of losing my job um because of this being neurodivergent i didn't have support because i wasn't allowed to be neurodivergent and and also being ill because i remember dragging my leg across car parks i mean it was so swollen i wanted my leg cut off i just couldn't get into my car at the end of the day i was literally dragging it so so that's why i was so passionate to do this when i did lose my career um i i became very ill i mean i was extremely ill for two years, I couldn't even open my eyelids at times. Mm. But I I did um, stabilize and I, I thought something has to be done, you know, for the Mm. I've done enough training over the years for new, you know, autistic ADHD and so on. But this hasn't been joined up at all. And luckily, I I sort of um, connected with a researcher who was working in this area for quite a few years, um, and is and now a, a patron of a charity I run, because he's she, he's at uh,
3: John Moore's University. Is this David Moore you're talking about? No. Oh, okay. Because so, I was looking yeah. at
5: yeah. Yeah. No, he is uh, one of the pain advisors on the paper. The other one is Dr. Eccles on the who's actually done the data research, connecting mm. the dots between uh, hypermobility and neurodivergence. And um, so linking all these up and and the researchers, which is really key. Um, we we sort of have developed um this going on and pioneering this because i think what's really really exciting is um it's always been separate like the body and brain have been yeah, separate yeah like they're two completely different things but in my in my experience they are usually joined up and um why not join them up but i think what's really unusual is the fact that our connective tissues in our body are likely to be very different than the general population. That's what the um, Dr. Eccles research says mm. and, um, and Is, and oh, is that in, in like physiological differences then? Yes it, it's quite complex so I am not medical <laughs> um, but it is uh, likely our connective tissue is different so that's found throughout our body it's it surrounds our organs it surrounds um like the autonomic nervous system our lymphatic vessel system blood cells particularly Mm. around stomach which is interesting and i think um it's quite weak it's quite lax you've heard of collagen i know yeah and um so that's quite weak and that means we're quite bendy you can see the um you know we used to do double jointed tricks as children Mm, yes a lot of us hence your gymnast niece is it well well, that's my sister-in-law
3: believe me we've got it in our family coming at us from all angles so (laughs) it's my (laughs) my niece um she's she's very bendy and very sensory and autistic and my my sister-in-law on the other side of the family is the gymnast and that's going back to sort of the 80s and 90s that she was a child and and of course experienced um as as is described in the paper this idea of um the shame that goes with it, and the, the the stress that arises from people, as you as you describe, sort of saying, "Oh, that's normal," you know, you, you know, you shouldn't complain about it. Everyone feels a bit of pain. Come on, toughen up. All of that stuff. When actually, it 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 really is is not a, it's not a similar experience. And I think the way that you've kind of come at it in in your in your work is to really make people understand that there is a connection, and there is a qualitative difference in the experiences. And it it kind of once you start to allow people to find ways of expressing their physical, as well as their sort of neurodivergent selves, we're, we're just that step closer to actually enabling them to flourish, aren't we?
5: oh yes i th- I think knowledge is an understanding. These things seem to come out of the blue and and it's a really, really scary situation, even as an adult. So as a child, you can be and some people are much more severe than I was um you know all these different things are sort of seem to be attacking you. That's mm-hmm. what it feels like. your body yeah. is is in the threat mode, it's in fighting mode and and everything's going wrong. your stomach all the organs you can also um the body can react uh, due to blood pressure issues and uh something called dysautonomia which is basically um the the i'm going to put this really simply uh the blood doesn't get up to the brain very well sometimes okay because of the weak collagen oh
3: sorry jane you're just breaking up there a little i uh, wonder if is your phone flat on the table is that I'll just put it flat in case. Perfect. Just because when you touch it, that's the microphone's just picking that up. So that'd be
5: really great if it's just flat on the table, please. It I'm not touching it, but I put it flat. Um <laughs> Perfect. but Thank I have you. got tech tech things going on today, I think. And um so uh And and often when we um, move position, so from standing to sitting or sitting, uh, sorry, lying to sitting and sitting to standing, the blood doesn't pump up to our brain and it can make us really foggy and dizzy, Mm -hmm. like almost, almost, some people do faint, but some people just get really, really dizzy and and can't, like brain fog completely. Mm. And, And the heart has to then really, really work harder to pump that blood up. And so it it pounds it feels like it's absolutely pounding out of your mm. chest and it makes you feel anxious you you start being sweaty you start shallow breathing. And to everybody else outside you look you look anxious, mm. but actually you know before this happened, you were perfectly fine you weren't anxious at all, and, and this is where if you i'm not sure if this is the right word misnomer uh, the the. Errors come in perhaps thinking it's all mental anxiety or emotional yeah. anxiety when it actually has a physical origin. And so um, I'm not saying other anxiety with neurodivergence doesn't occur. Of course it does. But uh, we have to take into effect the physical because this is real. And if we don't believe our uh, children and young people have the and adults by the way um have these issues we we tend to mask the pain you know we avoid it we just say oh well it's not real i'm going to Mm -hmm. i'm obviously make it up and and you have that sort of cyclic hypochondriac thing going on for decades and i see it in so many people as they get older, they've they've sort of lost confidence and given up because they feel they'll never be believed. It's mm, just one mm. of those. Another weird thing that everybody thinks I'm weird and, 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 and it's, it's awful. It, yeah, yeah. It,
3: it's so interesting because I mean, I, this is a completely different medical thing. And I'm not a medic either, but I, I was reading a, a research book and it was all about um, liver specialists and they were talking about how sometimes the, the what you would see in a medical textbook you know, this patient should be like in a coma or, or whatever with the with the combination of symptoms they've got. But what they were saying is they were so surprised that people with really severe diagnoses on the page actually, who should have been in hospital were still up and walking around. And I think it's that that's resonated with what you've just said, because I think there are when, when you are are sort of especially as a child when you're sort of not perhaps able to advocate for yourself. Mm. I can see how people would really push on through some quite extraordinary pain that would have most of us on our backs. Mm. Exactly. And, you know, the, the fatigue of living with that for a prolonged period of time, you know, it's, it, it must be absolutely exhausting.
5: Absolutely exhausting. And I think um, it, you know when you're trying to work so hard and push through and and achieve in an education or employment or have a family, mm. it that it's exacerbated a hundred times, and you you become sort of stuck, and then your body becomes really inflamed. And as yeah. I said, it seems like everything is attacking you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I became uh, anaphylactic to things not direct food, but all sorts of things. Um, in my environment but also food I mm. think just because my body was so uh, fragile at that time and and thinking everything was coming to an end so I couldn't eat and this was as an adult I I, I was literally throwing up reflux um absolute pain spasms and And even when I could, I became absolutely scared of food. I became phobic Mm -hmm. of food because I knew it would hurt. And yet all the tests come back negative. Mm -hmm. And this is what seems to happen with so many of our members. And and so we um, we we, that just again, like oh they've got a, a, a eating disorder. Again, this does happen with neurodivergent people, but also we have physical health issues. And I think what we're trying to say here is we have to think of the whole picture. You mm-hmm. know, we are brain and body joined up, and it's not just one thing, it, it's a whole thing. Because if we don't consider physical health issues, it exacerbates the mental health well being. I know I've been there, I've mm-hmm. seen it with so many others. Um, and and what we have to do as a whole community in all different um groups is join up because this is too important. And actually it's also in a weird way really exciting because this is pioneering this, mm. this in the world. Um and, and this hasn't been done before. So the physical health, you know, neurodivergent people all around the world and suffering physical health particularly um uh, hormones come into play here so we know that uh, from the age of about 13 to 50 particularly um girls women or those with female hormones are 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 suffering more um, because of the hormones having an effect on the connective tissue probably
3: i mean do you think
5: it's do, do, do they think it's
3: um is the autoimmune a, a reaction to this physical stress? Do you think? And I know we're both, neither of us doctors, so I'm just yeah. you know. Um, it, do, I wonder what they do. They have any kind of idea about whether it's the physical stress that causes the exacerbation of the autoimmune type inflammatory responses, or is it? Is there a, is there a push and pull
5: in both directions? Do you think? So. Um i'm saying symptomatic hypermobility because most people don't get a diagnosis uh, mm. the official diagnosis for adults are Ehlers-Danlos syndromes and the most common is hypermobility Ehlers-Danlos and hypermobility spectrum disorders for children very very often not diagnosed unless the rare types um mm. which can be genetically tested so they're not autoimmune and okay. um yeah so they're not autoimmune they're connective tissue disorders okay and they're throughout the body but interestingly um i can say uh from our members uh, i have in the charity there's a lot of crossovers with autoimmune mm. conditions like gosh um endometriosis yeah. um lupus thyroid mm. uh, i'm going to miss some out some people might be cross with me shogun's um rheumatoid yeah. arthritis i i'm i'm probably going to miss some out um, i'm sh- i'm sure i'm sure we they, they, no
3: it's it's a real i just find it so fascinating because like it, you know i feel you know now now that i'm aware of it i'm seeing it everywhere <laughs> do you know yeah, what i mean exactly
5: that's what and, you're going to do from now on
3: <laughs> yeah and i just wonder actually because obviously our audience is is a lot of teachers and educators out there and mm. one of the things that that came out really strongly um is that not only there is there a cultural and uh, a misunderstanding of the very real health issues that may be have a comorbidity with the neurodivergence. We've also got the lack of voice of the young people themselves who either mm. don't have the vocabulary yet or are are, are very um not, not very verbal as anyway and and how they a can't articulate verbally the pain that they're suffering but also may actually experience the pain in an emotional way. I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about how 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 it, is, how it can be communicated and what we as educators could do to support that communication.
5: Yes, that's a really good question. I think what I, I always say is children don't, or people don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. So if you ask children about pain, or even adults, uh, neurodivergent people, you have something called the You have something like um, emotional cognition of knowing what's happening. Um, we have different sensory issues like interoception issues. So we don't mm. always know if we're hungry or tired or um, breathing a lot or, or need to go to the toilet. and And the same for pain. We don't know if we're in pain or not. And so that's another little part to this picture Of the whole body being different uh and also we're told um is social emotional mental issues Mm. now it is but it's also physical and i think um what how to explain that well obviously um being allowed to believing the child is key believing the adult is key i so often in my experience when i was training we would be told oh they're very sensory sensitive you know they'll say something hurt and we hardly touch them Mm. well actually some children do bruise really really quick some adults do bruise really quickly we have different types of skin some bruise extremely quickly we have uh, a wound fragility uh, skin fragility but it doesn't mean we all bruise but some do some have very thick silky skin and um and and so often uh, teachers obviously are worried about safeguarding, and they have the absolute right to do that. But um, and so do parents. But the parents don't know either because mm. it might be their normal. You know, they bruise all the time. They're always in pain. That's normal because that's mm. what they've grown up with. I know when and if I... they're
3: if they're uh, dyspraxic as
5: well, they're probably
3: bumping into things. So.
5: Yes, well, I think some of the research is sort of going towards the way that hypermobility is, the, is sort of um, part of dyspraxia, or, or some of the mediator sort of between mm-hmm. um, that, and also, of course, most of us got diagnoses of fibromyalgia and um, mm. ME or chronic fatigue syndrome before we got the hypermobility. I think the other thing you can do is, um, as I said, that you know, it's being aware that children can say this might hurt. Sometimes I can get a paper cut. And I think it's the most painful thing in the world. Mm. And other times I might fracture my knee, for example, one of the times. Um, And I just carried on and I was severely told off it's one of the most uh, uh severe injuries you can have apparently but um it's just because so many times i haven't been believed and and maybe my my sense of what hurts is is different i i do realize that i have to check myself and and see yes i'm not breathing very well i think i've got an issue and my skin has all blown up so um mm. i have to i have to check that but i think um we have to get the right we have to listen to their voices and and particularly in secondary age it's really really key because this is when most of the issues come to the fore um eating issues you know if they're going to the going to throw up afterwards it might not be because they want to or it's an eating disorder it might be because it's reflux it it, mm. it does mm. happen uh, so they're definite um i did a school toolkit for two other charities once and um with some tips in there uh what to do on on various things pe is really key for us yeah. because we can excel you know we can really excel we love moving and things but, uh, and gym and all, all this and if we excel at something we tend to do it, we really excel 100% and and that's great, but I think as teacher, they need to know you know ha- about pacing how to in- help the, the student know about pacing how much they should do. Uh, if they need orthotics if they need insults and also bear in mind that the student might need a wheelchair at times they might be, not be able to walk or go upstairs but other times you've seen them running down the corridor they're not making it up yeah this happens they might need extra fluids they might need to rest in between lessons yes i know that's really difficult um but but this is why often they're absent because they get too tired um, and inflamed absolutely exhausted that yeah
3: that's that's interesting and i i just i've just seen that paul has mentioned in the comments um am i right in saying neurodivergent children are those with autism adhd dyspraxia etc under an umbrella term or is it more specific and physical um paul you don't sound ignorant at all we're here because doing this chat because i think it's an important issue and we want to broaden um broaden awareness of it so that's an excellent question um yeah. Uh, Jane, I wonder if you just want to clarify because I know in our discussions, I hope you don't mind my saying that you you told me off because I was getting it wrong and and putting the uh, the wrong words um, and okay. using it. <laughs> um, and I'm happy to be corrected. Um, but can you just could you just clarify exactly um,
5: what's the umbrella term and what what kinds of things are under that? Uh, umbrella? I I can't actually. So neurodivergent means uh, different from the majority. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the majority would be uh, neurotypical mm-hmm. and neurodivergent is quite wide. Uh, when I say neurodivergent, I'm identifying those who are autistic, have ADHD, dyspraxic and Tourette's because, the, the as I said, that latest research from our patron um, identifies those four things, but there's also some other data that to a lesser extent um mentions uh um dyscalculia dyslexia um Mm. but there needs to be much more research on that i think but Mm. yet no neurodivergent is quite wide it includes a lot a lot more so i'm and i'm not excluding them but i'm just identifying those in particular and so the whole of humanity is neurodiverse we're all neurodiverse um that's but I think that's been quite um mm. yeah it it's it sort of got into the press for some reason uh but no we we're we're neurodivergent
3: yeah no that that's really helpful, thank you and um I hope that's that's answered your question, and of course, an individual might not have all of those things, they might have um you know elements or traits i don't know and this is another area where the language is tricky because my my son has been um is not is quite just short of a diagnosis in some of those things Mm. but we've been advised that it's just enough of a co co convergence to make his life a bit tricky but just shy of diagnosis and I don't know I mean I, I guess this is as a whole area is is an area that does I think we can expect to see more clarification as the research comes out can't we um, well
5: yes and no so I'm going to be difficult here uh, there are, it's very rare for children to get diagnoses because I think there are two things here they don't want to label children too early mm-hmm. um, sometimes male hormones do protect more um and and you know if you have a label something like this it might uh, i i don't know it might affect your later career in 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 certain professions or traveling abroad and so on um and and it might not be as severe because as you grow people change I I don't know I'm not a pediatrician
4: course, so yeah.
5: but it, they rarely so we say symptomatic hypermobility because a lot of people can be hypermobile I know six foot two um, men who can touch the floor with mm. straight legs but and they don't have symptoms so that's great um, but the symptomatic means everything hurts even you know we have a lot of issues with gums eyes teeth tinnitus yeah. uh, all sorts um, some people are very very severe they have a uh, tube feeding they have neck issues something which i can't even pronounce at the moment at this time of night called cci and ai and, and that can affect the body in all sorts of um difficult ways uh but it's very hard to see because a lot of people aren't trained in it and this comes back to school actually because because um teachers don't know about it the sinkos don't know about it uh, mm. if a student is is often missing at school and says they're chronically ill or the parent says they're too ill you know you go to the doctor can you verify this child is sick the doctor won't know because mm-hmm. they're not trained in it and they will say no uh they might as i said in the paper they might be diagnostically overshadowing because they see autistic or adhd and they say well it obviously um it's stress related it's anxiety mm-hmm. and so they'll either get something called emotional based school avoidance ebsa yeah. or uh, unauthorized absence and 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 this is why I think uh, it's been so key, and particularly since um, COVID, uh, because there's certain similarities there. Um, Yeah. Some of the symptoms, definitely. a A lot of the symptoms are similar.
3: It's it's interesting. I think COVID in many ways has been a bit of a watershed for sort of flushing out some of these issues into the light, really, because certainly um, I, I know children who have my sense, and this is again a lay person's view of it, my sense is that for a very long time, there was a cultural feeling that there wasn't a choice. And you just had to get on with it and you had to hold it together. And then COVID hit and, you know, a very large proportion of the population found it very, very difficult, horrible, obviously awful things happened. But I do think there's a section of of children, young people and probably adults as well who just thought the break from the merry-go-round was a blessed relief. And then when everyone started to say, and now we go back to normal, how wonderful, they just have gone, well, no, thank you it wasn't wonderful and and you know that opportunity to kind of not wear the thick skin if you'll pardon the expression has has kind of brought these things all out into the fore because the option to not have to endure the systematic masking if you like has has shown itself i don't know what do you think about that perspective
5: Um, I think uh, during COVID, I I have to say, personally, um, for me, it took away the pressure of going to meetings and and doing stuff. I was, you know, I think maybe that's more of the autistic side being happy, almost not happy with COVID, obviously, but, you know, being insular. Mm. But the ADHD side wanted to get out at the same time. So it's a bit of this and that Jekyll and Hyde I suppose isn't it Mm. I I don't know um for for children that might be the same thing but I think physically it's different because Mm. um there were different issues Uh, you know a lot of children love going to school Mm. uh, love learning Mm. love the structure so I'm not saying it's all one way or the other and yeah, I, I yeah. tend not to do that actually, I'm quite, I, I tend to see the balance in both sides, but I think what I, what I'm looking at is actually getting COVID um, had similar symptoms to what we call dysautonomia, so the mm. fatigue and the um, palpitations and the dizziness mm. and uh those sort of things and and the stomach issues seem to be quite similar i don't know why I, uh, as i said i'm not a scientist but they they do have very similar symptoms and they're long-standing and there's no definite answer which seems to be those are the very familiar things that we've we've found over the years and historically you know um girls and women always thought of very fragile if you look at historical pictures and you know films the women always fainting and always Mm. pale I always think um you know they probably got what we call postural tachycardia or something like that um unless they're wearing very tight corsets and can't breathe i don't know um no, it's, it's it's really interesting listen jane we've got about
3: 10 minutes left and uh what i'm going to do is i'm just going to play our messages very quickly um and then we'll come back and i'm going to invite anyone in the studio who'd like to just maybe um either type a question into the chat or or ring in just to uh do so if they want to is that all right with you of course perfect all right i'll speak to you in just a moment then
0: visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today happy reading
1: in today's educational environment students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face online and blended learning courses canvas by instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly and access actionable data that drives student success.
0: On the 24th to the 26th of January, 2024, BET UK is back, and even better for educators! New for 2024, Table Talks empowers educators to collaborate openly and connect deeply with like-minded individuals in the education space, as well as tech user labs, the brilliant new tutorials and working groups at BET where technology users will learn how to get more out of their institution's tech from the top education technology experts in the world. Whatever your goal, you'll find it at BET 2024. Educators go free. Get your tickets today at www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor registration.
3: Welcome back. I'm just going to uh, bring Jane back in, and I can see Paul in the chat. You've put a really good question there. Um, you've got a real mixed bag of children. You're primary, if I remember correctly, aren't you, Paul? Um, one of the problem, uh, one problem that comes up is that the child doesn't want to be seen as different, but needs the support and the systems in place. What's the best way to present these processes to the children um, with these conditions in a way that um, perhaps doesn't make them feel additionally uncomfortable because of the the seeing, feeling different. Jane, I wonder what do you what would you advise Paul on that?
5: It's always a very difficult question. um, Primary so. we often say children might need support on the carpet might need cushions because they get very tired but they might not want to they might want to sit with their peers and I think you have to get the pupil voice you know what they want um, and saying well you can do this but maybe you can have you know a structured time out after that to recuperate if if not recuperate but in a, in a way they can understand or they want to do uh, some they might have to wear supports I don't know what what children they are um, or orthotics uh, it's easier with primary children in a way uh, they can have all the information that they can understand in a in a, a pictorial form. But again, you know, you can't make children wear things or do things. And I've had teenagers who needed things, and you know, it's their choice. Um, it might not be the wisest choice, but you have to have to let them find out. I think for primary children, if it's a serious issue, it depends. I I don't really know the context. Obviously, uh, how serious it is. If it's a medical issue, of course they need the medications. But if it's a question of they need support in the classroom, sitting up or using a um, writing implement or something like that. You know, maybe you could, um, I can't think of the words tonight, but uh, exemplar something at the front that you need something at times. Uh, so, when so
3: are you saying that the teacher should actually, you know, if the child needs a cushion, the teacher should maybe model, say, oh, isn't that more comfortable now? I've got a cushion. You
5: know, yeah. Yeah, that often works. I, I I would always use something like that at times, just so someone doesn't feel so different or mm. uh, someone more, a, a child more um, outgoing will often uh, take that as well and say, I'll do that too. Mm. And you can always find one in the classroom that will do that. So, um, but I don't really know the context, it depends what they've got and how much they understand what mm-hmm. what they can do. Some need a lot of movement, of course, and it might be completely different.
3: And uh, a strategy that, that I've had, um, we've talked about in my school recently is, you know, perhaps finding a way to... Give the movement in a non-obvious way, so perhaps you kind of mm. think, well, there's going yeah. to be some an opportunity to hand something out at some point, or to wash something up if it's you know art or whatever it is, and perhaps that child can, you know, it doesn't draw. It's a job that would need doing anyway, and they just get to do it, and it, it kind of does cover off their their movement. Absolutely,
5: yeah. absolutely, all the time. I I would always do that. Um, you know, can you take the register? And and that's a problem with digital ones, but mm. we used to take the register <laughs> and do yeah. much more movement jobs. Can I just say, let's go back. Um, yeah, no, the, but,
3: there's emails now and there's no one to take a note down the corridor. I know,
5: <laughs> I, know I know. So you'll have to make jobs up. But, uh, but that's why movement is so key. Um, and and but then you will get your the other people saying well why do they always get the job to go out and do that Mm -hmm. so uh you might have to do it in twos or something like that but i'm sure you can make jobs up you're you're a teaching creative um but i do think it's important because um keeping still and trying to um keep our muscles straight is is very taxing Uh, Mm -hmm. we don't always know where they where they are it's something called proprioception And so moving them really, really helps to to keep them realizing they join to us and and keeping the muscles sort of moving stops the pain. We don't know. They don't know they're in pain. So you might just see different sort of behavior coming out, but actually there's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And they won't know either. So uh, there are all sorts of different things you can do. So uh, if you're sitting on stools in a science lesson. Um, a lot of children need their legs up for the blood pressure Mm. Uh, but that might look very odd to a teacher having that done so it's knowing what is there for the child Um, I have produced quite a few resources for uh, teachers but I I think as as well.
3: well as you were saying earlier you know for many GPs and and people who are you know this is a lot of the, the association with the physical nature of all of these um th- these issues is actually not widely no- known and i was I was thinking and reflecting on this because you know many of our listeners will have heard of quality first teaching and and how everyone's a teacher of send mm. and we might do a you know a handout which has got a particular font that might actually be vital for one i mean it's it's helpful for everyone. But it's gonna massively make the difference to the to the child that needs it. And I think the profession certainly, in my experience, is kind of getting their heads around that now in a much more broad sense than perhaps has been done in the past. But to to then maybe think, well, maybe there, there should be something called quality first send, like quality first uh for the physical um, as well, um, you know, what could benefit yeah. what could benefit everyone in a very general way might actually be vital for some, or, or should we really be much more? I don't know.
5: I I, I strongly suggest we um, join the dots between neurodivergence and physical health, um, just with mental and social and emotional. So if we're looking at um, uh, strategies and adaptions and approaches to neurodivergent people which we are in education luckily um we we include the physical and and that's where i see it going very strongly Mm -hmm. um it will take time obviously i can i just say i presented to a large uh, college uh, about 300 of my peers earlier this year and and something that struck me was an advisory teacher used to do one of my roles and she said to me you know i've taught hundreds and hundreds of neurodivergent children particularly autistic and only three ever had an eds diagnosis and i thought yeah that's probably right um and she said but everything you've said during because i would just done the presentation they've had all these issues and she i could tell she was like really it was a, it was a bit too much overwhelming for me i can't even explain it myself you know mm. because I, I knew i knew what she was saying and the light bulb had gone on that these yeah. children have these issues but they're not believed it's not it's not a fault of people well unless you definitely don't want to um <laughs> but it's not a fault it's just it hasn't been known and and this is what i'm trying to do Uh, with the with the charity and and this paper with um, the pain advisors, as you said, Dr Moore and uh, Bethany Donaghy. So, um, and hopefully more to come. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's,
3: yeah, I think it's, it's been a real eye opener for me. And I just really want to thank you because you know, I've said for a long time, I my PGC, I looked at SEND as part of my project 15 years ago I did not mm. really know anything about SEND yeah. until I tried to apply for an EHCP for my own child and even now I'm learning and I just think this conversation is so important um so thank you so much um, to, to coming on tonight and sharing with us uh, and I really appreciate it so thank you very much Jane thank you thank you Thank you very much. And thank you to everyone who's been listening this evening. It's been a really interesting conversation. Um, and I hope that, that people will keep going. Um, that brings us to the end of today's Late Late Show. Many thanks to today's special guest, Jane Green, MBE, and to everyone who's joined us live. Remember, there are Teachers Talk radio shows all week. Join me again fortnightly for, um, at the same time. Bye for now.